0: Welcome to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 425, and today we are talking about books being released on August 8th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Vanessa, hello. Hey, Lib. How are you? Oh, <sighs> You know, here I am. Here we are. Every week. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I made it through another week. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Somehow, someway, <laughs> we made it. Yeah.
0: We are recording this a day later than we had planned because my cat was horribly <laughs> behaved. Oh, my goodness. And there was chaos and vets and all kinds of stuff. But he's fine now. He's fine. But I had to, like, stay up and watch him the last few nights. So... I was very sleepy. But then we had... That's what I was going to tell you. I was saying to you before we started recording, I wanted to tell you something. Yes. Yesterday, around the time we were going to record, we got giant thunderstorms. Oh! And pouring rain. It was so loud in my office. And I was like, oh. Of course, if we had recorded that, it probably wouldn't have happened.
1: It wouldn't have happened. I know. That's the way it always goes. But yeah.
0: Which was good, because we've needed it. It said it was going to rain
1: every day for, like, the last month, and it hasn't. It hasn't. So that. that was good. So.
0: How are things on the other side of the country?
1: They're actually quite beautiful. I'm, like, a little knocking on, I don't know, yeah, wood surfaces because we haven't had a wildfire season. Here. We haven't had any fires, really, in Oregon that I, like, know of, at least not ones that made the news. So the mm-hmm. summer has been very like 80s and gorgeous it's definitely a little more humid than i'm used to uh, early in the morning but it's been just such great weather for like going outside and doing stuff which is also why i sound a little bit congested because all this nature is kind of ravaging my nose but (laughs) it's still worth it (laughs) so yeah things are things are pretty good besides that life is beginning to normalize a little bit uh which is great
0: (laughs) well speaking of your corner of the country oh yes Our episode is number 425 today, and the corresponding area code is a Washington State area code that includes Mm -hmm. the northern and eastern suburbs of Seattle. It is. I've never been to Seattle. Have you ever been to Seattle? Oh my
1: gosh, yeah, several times. And that was before I moved (sighs) here. Yeah, I I really like Seattle. Yeah,
0: I've always wanted to go. I mean, I've been on the West Coast very little, but one of our rioters was posting a photo in Seattle on Instagram the other day, and like... There's the needle in the background, mm-hmm. just, like, sticking way up above everything else. <laughs> yep,
1: it's just there. <laughs> and, and it
0: just seemed, like, so alien. I was like, do you ever get used to seeing that, like, around? Because I guess when you're close to it, you don't really notice it, right? But, yep. But, you know, from far away, I was like, it looks like some kind of alien structure has landed over the city. Like, how cool is that?
1: You know. And it's huge, so yeah, when you're near it it's very like whoa. <laughs> like not that I've never yeah. been around a big structure before, but everything about the shape, the design is very, yeah, like UFO. Yeah. <laughs> it's great.
0: I mean I don't everything I know about Seattle is from Fraser and Singles, I think, is <laughs> basically <laughs> all I know of it. But, like you can go in it, right? It's like is that yes. the one that has like the revolving restaurant? At the top?
1: I believe so, yeah. I've never made it because all the people I've gone with are like terrified of heights. Like it just so happens like the three people I've been there with <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. But um, yeah, it's a really cool city. There's a lot of fun stuff to do and it's obviously Pike Place is really fun and I don't know, it's just it's cool. Lots of good coffee. Right, Pike Place.
0: Okay, I take it back. Everything I know about Seattle I know from <laughs> Fraser singles and Macklemore. And yeah. <laughs> Never change (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I would want to go up in that When we were at BEA in Chicago Chicago, yeah We went to the top floor of the Sears Tower Mm -hmm. We got invited to a party, like a bunch of us from Book Riot And I was like, oh yeah, that's fine But then once I got up there, everybody's like Come stand on this spot where you can look down And I was like, no thank you I would like to Mm -hmm. not do that (laughs) (laughs) No No thanks that's okay so i was like kind of proud of myself that i went all that way up because i am afraid of fights but mm-mm, no windows <laughs>
1: there's plenty of things <laughs> on the ground that are here for you to enjoy so you're okay
0: seriously <laughs> so um i like i like it on the ground don't want to go under in the water don't want to go up i like it right here in the middle
1: <laughs> i would like to be in an open field <laughs> yes nothing around me nothing that can
0: fall on me nothing i can fall out of just no
1: water the ground all the time please
0: So, before we start talking about books which we are going to do uh, we promise we're gonna hear from our first sponsor
2: today's episode is brought to you by underlined haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet. We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Seller* and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn More about it at getunderlined.com. So, again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So, if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary, you know what I mean? Pick up the dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. today's episode is brought to you by bloom books charming easygoing and rich xavier castillo has the world at his fingertips he also has no interest in taking over his family's empire but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him unless of course the woman in question is his publicist the cool the intelligent the ambitious sloan kensington who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay. And I meant to open my
0: notes, but instead I just opened Skype. So that was fun. I'm still, I've been using a computer for, what, 20 years now? I still am not any good at clicking the right buttons the first eh. time. <laughs> <You
1: know. laughs> it's like, eh. It's fine. There's always that regression where you do a thing long enough that you're like, how do I? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine.
0: I'm also like a super clicker. Like I'm gonna, like, click, 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 click. As soon as like I can click on things and like it doesn't, sometimes it like freezes things. Yes, and I haven't does. learned from that either. I believe so, in you. Thank you. But now I have my notes up. And before I tell you about my first pick, I'm going to remind you about Taylor's book recommendations. If you want to escape the dog days of summer with perfect book recommendations, recommendations. And now I'm going to make a joke that I also made on the When in Romance podcast. Cats and dog references in one sentence living together. Let tailored book recommendations pick awesome books to keep you entertained. Touch grass like we were talking in the middle of a field with nothing around. Grab some lemonade and enjoy TBR's picks. They are great for readers of all stripes and they have plans for all budgets. So visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Ho. All right. I want to remind people, because we always say it at the end of the show, but I don't know, you know, maybe we should say it at the beginning of the show. If you have a question for us, you want to ask us some burning question, you can reach us at books at bookriot.com. That is our email. And on to the books. My first book for today is Whale Fall by Daniel Krause. This is an intense novel about a young diver who is stuck in inside an 80-foot whale. This, I was like, "Ooh, this is going to be scary and intense. And it really was, like for me, especially because I'm afraid of the ocean. But it's fantastic. This is about a young man named Jay. In the present day, Jay is 17. He's living in Monterey, California, which is known for Cannery Row by John Steinbeck, which is his best novel, in my opinion. And for its marine life and its oceans. And there's, you know, chartered you know, whale-watching tours and divers and just all the stuff going on in the ocean there. He is also the son of Mitt, who is a famed diver and all-around knowledgeable legend. He's always seen on the piers. He's always seen on the boats. He's got all these stories about diving, and everyone around is just, like, in awe of him, except for Jay. Jay has a very contentious relationship with his father. His father bullies him a lot. He thinks that Jay is soft um, and from a very young age, he forces him to go with him diving and out on boats and makes him learn all about the ocean and diving and boats and marine life when Jay would really just rather like hang out and do things on his own. He has two older sisters who his father doesn't make do any of these things and, and his older sisters think his father is great, whereas Jay hates his dad. As Jay gets older, he realizes like he fears and hates his dad. And when he is 15 years old, there is an incident between the two of them and Jay leaves home. This is also at the start of the pandemic. And shortly after that, he gets word from his mother and his sisters that his father is dying from cancer and he should come home and and talk to him, say goodbye. But Jay decides not to. He doesn't return home. And his father does indeed die, but he actually dies by suicide. He, he goes off a boat. And so before I continue, there is a lot of talk of suicide in this book. So if, you know, just go carefully into that. So now that Jay's father has died, he is an outcast. Because people think, like, Mitt was this great, great man. And Jay was the son who ignored him and didn't say goodbye to him. And people spit at him on the street. And Jay is like, you know, nobody knows the real story about our relationship. And so a year after Mitt's death... Jay decides he's going to redeem himself in everyone's eyes by diving for his father's remains. There is a spot where Mitt went in the water. There's lots of rocks. There's lots of kelp. It's entirely possible because he was never recovered that he could find his dad's remains. This is, however, a very dangerous area to dive alone. There's super, super tall kelp. There's a severe drop not very far off the shore. Jay hasn't dived in two years, but he remembers everything that he was taught. He, you know, he's like, it's like riding a bicycle. So he goes into the water. He doesn't tell anybody he's doing this. And soon after he submerges, he gets to ride around the, the drop. Um, he encounters a giant squid and holy cats, how amazing, like very few giant squid have been seen alive. Sometimes they wash up, sometimes they're caught in nets, but they're very hard to see. And here is this 30 foot giant squid which has the largest eyes of anything in the world. But just as, like, Jay is, like, taking this in with all this delight and awe, his wonder turns to horror when he realizes that right behind the squid is an 80-foot sperm whale who gobbles up the squid along with Jay. Jay has now been swallowed by a 60-ton creature. And looking at his gauge, he has an hour of oxygen left. And can he get out? He must draw on the knowledge he learned from his father. You know, he's, it's not nice in there. It's not a lot of fun. It's not like you see in Pinocchio. There's not a lot of room. And he's hes in there. He's panicking. He's injured. He starts having this conversation in his head with his dad um, while he is being crushed and tossed around and pushed along the whale's digestive tract. And it looks like his search for his dead father is going to bring about his own end. The irony is not lost on him, nor is the fact that he wanted to get away from his old man who wouldn't stop talking at him and telling him things, and now he is trapped in an old whale having to listen to it, both its body and its rhythms and the voices that he's hearing while he's in there. In between the present day, we get flashbacks to Jay and his dad, different stages in their lives. It's a story of complicated family and loss and independence and survival. There are no documented cases of anyone ever surviving being swallowed by a whale, or even any cases of people having been swallowed by a whale, because it's not like they're, they're getting back out or people are finding out that this happened. People in the news, occasionally they say, are swallowed by a whale, and I say that in quotes because you've probably seen those YouTube videos of kayakers and, and, and people on surfboards. They're actually grabbed in a whale's mouth, but the whale is like, this is not something I want, and they spit them out. No one's actually been known to have been swallowed by a whale which only the sperm whale, which is what he, the whale that Jay is swallowed by, is large enough to actually really do that. But the rest of the book, you know, if this were to happen, is as scientifically accurate as Daniel Krauss could make it. He did tons of research. He consulted tons of specialists. I mean, you're going to learn all about the inside of a whale, every little part of it, and what makes it tick, and all it's, you know, this whale has four stomachs, and it's It's just so interesting. I do want to give content warnings. Like I said, uh, there is a mention of suicide several times in this book. Also, substance abuse, sexism, bullying, emotional abuse, trauma, child neglect, cancer, and loss of a parent. Lots and lots of dead sea animals, because the whale keeps swallowing things. And also body horror, because not only the jays, but also the whales. But it's it's one of a kind it's really interesting and fascinating and intense it is whale fall by daniel Kraus.
1: that cover alone gives me all of the ocean creep like, like in a good way Right? I'm like that is <laughs> as a, i grew up in california as i think i've said many times but like a thing we often do as a field trip when you're a kid in california is going whale watching and mm-hmm. i remember everybody being super fascinated and just Me being that kid in the corner was like, the sheer size of these things is terrifying. (laughs) And they weren't even sperm, whale. you know, they were much smaller, but they're just so big that they can hurt you by, you know, playing. Oh, my God, I can't. So, yeah, this looks really good.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's also, I should say another thing about this book is that it's a look at how we are... You know, of course, always destroying nature Nature. and killing Mm -hmm. off everything around us. You know, like this whale is 80 feet. He didn't mean to eat this guy. And, you know, he's gentle and they don't usually come to the surface unless they're old. And, you know, it's another great book in a long list that I've read recently about why we need to take care of the ocean, which I went on a little rant last week
1: about. The more you know. (laughs) That's right. I love it. We're doing educational corner. I'm going to take us also to a body of water in an extremely different direction <laughs> with my pick. Um, so my pick is Look- Looking Glass Sound by Katrina Ward. This was my first time reading Katrina Ward, which I finally learned how to pronounce her name. I believe I had been accidentally calling her Katriona for years. But Katrina is the author of The Last House on Needless Street is probably like the most famous, at least that I know of. Um, also wrote Sundial, a um, couple other books but this was my first time finally picking up uh, her work. This book kind of messed with my brain in in a good way, but a really like layered way where I had to go back and especially because I audiobooked this and read like the end two more times <laughs> to really grasp it. So just warning that it is a thing you have to like kind of pay attention to, not that you shouldn't pay attention to books while you're reading them, but um I feel like describing why is kind of a spoiler but not and the copy synopsis of the book like almost doesn't do it justice. I'm going to describe it the way I think is most helpful. So the book opens in 1989 where we meet Wilder Harlow who is sort of like a lonely friendless teen who is summering with his parents in this town on the coast of Maine called Whistler Bay and what brought Wilder and his family here is that his uncle uh, has died and left them, like his family, this this house um, here on the coast of Maine. So that's where he meets two uh, other teens, this handsome local named Nathan Pelletier, who goes by Nat, and Harper, who is a girl from like a really wealthy British family who vacations here during the summers. And the three become inseparable pretty quickly. Nat and Wilder both confess to each other to having a crush on Harper But they value each other's friendship so much that they make this little pact that they're never going to act on it. So instead, the three become these, you know, three amigos who go about walking around the town, swimming, exploring, and bonding over... The legend of someone called the Dagger Man, who is a killer who is known to have gone on like a streak here in Whistler Bay, who leaves behind these really creepy Polaroids of kids that are really threatening, where he has like a knife to their necks while they're sleeping, sort of thing, and but doesn't actually hurt the kids, and it's never been caught. So the summer ends. And it's really quite sweet. Like I know I just described this like gruesome thing, but like this is the killings themselves like are very kind of off the page and like they talk about the legend, but in a way that's a little bit removed. And overall, the first half of this book is just so entrenched in that really sweet summer fleeting feeling when you're young and you're, you know, yeah, with your friends on like a seaside town and just just that that sense of, like, youth plus summer, and it was really kind of nice to read about, even with that, you know, legend of the dagger man kind of looming in the background. And so the summer's coming to an end, and they make another pact between the three of them, which is that they're going to, like, come back to the summer every summer so they can, you know, continue their friendship and, like, you know, hang out in Whistler Bay. But the friends make a startling and really gruesome discovery that will change their lives forever. And now what we've been reading... Which is the copy sets this up, and like the you know description of the book basically sets you up <laughs> to like not what they're talking about is is this point, which is literally halfway through the book, which is that we find out that Wilder, what we've been reading is Wilder's unpublished memoir. This is like decades later, he is now has gone back to maine to like write his story and that was kind of my issue because if you're just going off the description it's this sort of sounds like that's what you know from the beginning but again i'm i'm telling it to you in a way that i think makes sense without spoiling stuff but again decades later he's going to write this story but the more he writes the less he kind of trusts himself and his memory because things are happening He's maybe hallucinating. He's seeing things that can't be there, like notes from a friend who is absolutely dead and a woman drowning and calling for help in the water that, like, the Coast Guard is like, no, there was no one. Like, you're just wasting your time. There's chunks of this book that he'll go back and, like, find as he's writing this story that he does not remember writing. So, like, what is going on? Um, This book was a definite lesson for me in the idea that horror is subjective and that – one of the reasons I had not read horror for a long time is because I think I thought horror meant one thing, like this very, you know, graphic, gruesome, haunting stuff on the page. And this book is definitely haunting, but in this, like, slow way that kind of crept up on me that was low and kind of chilling. There is, as like I mentioned, like a book within a book. And so that whole last part of the book, I really had to pay attention and go back and rewind because there were some pieces that I was like, oh, wait, oh, okay. Um, reality gets blurred. It's It was really just an interesting experience. And it made me, as I think I've said a couple of times, just really interested to keep reading more and more horror because I'm finding myself so like enjoying it so much and the different things that it can be and represent um, all based on like the mood and, and tempo of the story. So yeah, it was a great foray into her work. I definitely want to go back and read some of the rest of her stuff. That's Lo- Looking Glass Sound by Catriona Ward.
0: All right. I'm going to take us in a completely different direction now with this wonderful collection of essays called Congratulations, the Best is Over! Essays by R. Eric Thomas. If his name sounds familiar, that's because this is his second essay collection. His first essay collection was called Here for It, which I know we've talked about on Book Riot like a million times because we love it. It's really wonderful. This one is just as great and funny and smart, and it kind of details living in the middle, like your midlife. Like He's in his 40s now, and it's about the unexpected things that life continually throws at you. Um, He is a writer. He has written for TV shows and sites. Um, His husband is a minister. They met right before 2016. And he discusses the political climate of 2016 in his book, around when he was writing his first book, uh, the depression that he fell into, his life with his husband, a hike that they go on, the new apartment that they get. Um, There's talk of loss of a parent, uh, his unexpected return to his hometown, which includes attending his class reunion, uh, where it starts off with them giving him his badge and it has someone else's photo on it with his name, an essay about having to go to the ER. These can be very serious subjects. They can be very light subjects. He tends to be very light and sometimes flip even about the most serious topics, which is how some people deal with trauma and grief. Um, You know, the sort of morbid sense of humor or making light of it. Um, There is this great quote in the upcoming Emily Austin novel, Interesting Facts About Space, or at least I think it's great, uh, that I wrote down about, because I tend to have a morbid sense of humor. And the character says something, you know, morbid, and then they say, uh, it's a coping mechanism. It takes the darkness out at the knees. And I really liked that. Um, And that's kind of what he's doing here. You know, he's taking the darkness out at the knees. They're very thoughtful, you know. He's explaining, like, life is passing us by. Like, for some reason, we keep forgetting that. uh, And this is how we're choosing to spend it. And is this the way that we should be spending it? You know, and especially how the last several years have brought those thoughts to the forefront of our minds, consciously or not. Um, You know, especially, like, with a pandemic where, where a lot, a lot, a lot of people died. So, like I said, this is actually a really funny book. I know nothing I've just said sounds funny, but it really is. It's a great book to read all at once, or one essay at a time. Um, I do want to give content warnings for depression and anxiety, loss of a parent, and grief. This is congratulations. The best is over. Essays by R. Eric Thomas.
1: Okay, so my next pick was such a f- <laughs> such a ride. <writer. laughs> it's *Shigiri and the Brass Head of a Volophon by Wole Talabi. Again. A ride, just such a ride, which <laughs> is well. Let me not tell you that part. Let's let's start at the actual beginning. So the book opens with a car chase across. It's in London, but it's the spirit side of London. So we're doing some world building from the very beginning. And this main character, Shigiri, is bleeding out in the back seat of a cab. We know that he and his companion, that's you know in the cab with him, are on the run, and we know that you know whatever's happening is bad because you know you don't get to be bleeding in the backseat of a cab for good reasons and they're on the run but they we don't really know like why or who from exactly and then we flash All the way back to the beginning and get um, we're kind of like building forward with this story and we get to know who Shigiri and Noma are. So Shigiri is sort of an anti-hero. He is a former nightmare god who worked for something called the Orisha Spirit Company, where his job is to serve out dreams that kill people in their sleep for those that pray to him. Orishas, for anybody who don't know or who doesn't know, are spirits that play a key role in the Yoruba, like, faith the spiritual practice of, like, West Africa and several religions in the African diaspora. So we're definitely solidly in, like, African mythology, spiritualism, folklore, etc., which, you know, right up my alley. And um, so Shigidi again, is working for the Spirit Company. And, like, where we are now is such that, like, people just don't pray to gods the way that they used to and the gods – you know, literally get their life from prayer offerings. And so they, like, have to do these things for prayers in order just to kind of get by. And that is what Shigiri is, is doing. And so he's on one of these killer dream missions when he meets Noma, who is – I don't want to spoil, but he's Noma is there, and he is there, and they're both trying to do a thing to a person. And Noma is this gorgeous – sensual succubus with a secretive and like, long past who is like, Nope, you can't uh have this soul. We'll just say like, uh, I-, I want this one. You can't have it. And they're arguing over it because he's there again to unfortunately do a bad thing to a woman because that's what he has to do. And so she makes him an offer. She's like, you can't like living this way, always in the debt of these, you know, Orisha spirits. So let me help you break free of this life and this debt and this obligation. And, They have a whole back and forth, and Shigiri eventually just agrees to it. It's like, yeah, okay, why not? And, like, goes with her, and they become, like, lifelong companions, and he is essentially training – she's training him to also be, like, a succubus. But, you know, of course, freedom has its price. And so one day, while on a beach, they're approached by this god, Olorun, who has come asking for a quote-unquote favor, like a favor that they can't afford to say no to. Knowing that they can't say no, they agree to basically lift this ancient – nigerian talisman from the british museum and to do it in just a few hours so it's dangerous it's impossible it's a whole heist they could get caught by the spirit bureaus like all kinds of bad things could happen but of course they have to do it and that is sort of like the absolute ride that you know we go on is all rooted in this like favor that they have to do All kinds of magic, all kinds of know-how. The magic here, which is, you know, maybe this is implied because I did indeed mention that one of these people is a succubus, but it's sex magic. So there was a lot more like sex on the page that I was originally prepared for. But it was – it's great. You know, it's a great book. It's it's definitely violent. Um, It's got really, really cool world building and takes us to different places. Like, we're in London and then Lagos, Nigeria, and then Singapore. And again, it's all this really cool take on Nigerian mythology and spiritualism and folklore in a way that is great because I'm constantly trying to kind of expand beyond the Greco-Roman, you know, mythology. So, uh, such such a fun story. Uh, Trigger warnings for, again, violence because there's plenty of that and if you are not a person who likes sex on the page, then it's definitely there. But it's, yeah, it was such a fun book. I would definitely like to, to hear more from this author. So that is Shigiri and the Head of a Bolufon by Wole Talabi.
0: All right. I think I have that one around here somewhere. So those are today's releases that we have read. Now we are going to talk about more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. My first pick is Shark Heart, A Love Story by Emily Habeck. I really wanted to read this one. It has an ocean theme. You know, I'm going with that this summer. Uh, I couldn't get the file to open when I originally received it. I just received it again on Wednesday, but then everything went sideways with My Little Shark. Um, So I haven't read it yet, but it's getting compared to Our Wives Under the Sea and Mrs. Caliban. And I'm very excited to, to start it. It is a debut novel of speculative fiction about a young couple who are only a year into their marriage... Their names are Wren and Lewis, and they're a year into their marriage when they learn that Lewis has a rare disease, and that disease is going to slowly transform him into a great white shark, which sounds kind of cool, but is probably alarming if it's happening to you. Uh, And in between the diagnosis and their feelings and fears about when it starts to happen and what they're going to do, we also get memories of Wren's past. It sounds amazing. It's possibly my favorite cover of the year. It has A shark made out of flowers on it. It's just unbelievably gorgeous. And I'm probably going to read it as soon as we're done recording today uh, so I can include it in the newsletter for next week. So that is Shark Heart, A Love Story by Emily Habeck. And now we are going to hear from
2: our other sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888-LOVE and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang.
1: I am. So I'm so excited about this book. So my next pick is Blonde Identity by Allie Carter. I totally, like, uh, I'm super being 100% honest here. I picked up the book because I just saw the cover. It gave me, like, Finley Donovan vibes. (laughs) Yeah, those are words. That other book. And I was like, oh, this looks fun. And I loved the title because I am a giant fan of what i call like fizz bang boom movies so you know everything from like the mission impossible movies to like the jason Bourne movies so i was like oh that sounds like the born identity how cute and like moved on but like didn't think it had anything to do with that except it kind of does <laughs> so it's this woman wakes up in the middle of the night in paris and has no memory and so she has this like splitting headache and then the super hot guy is standing over her telling her to run and there's people trying to kill her so she's this you know if you've seen or read anything about the Bourne movies and books like that's that's Jason wakes up has no idea like who he is just knows that people are trying to kill him and that he's got like quite a skill set um, so she doesn't know what's going on and she does see footage of herself fighting off like a dozen men and she can't figure out like well who am I what am I doing but this guy is uh, that you know woke her up or that told her she needs to run is like no I know you think you're a spy but you're not a spy you're a, I'm not, like your identical sister is a spy and you know, shenanigans ensue. So it sounds like it's definitely a romance. They, um, end up, I think, pretending to be like a pair of lovesick newlyweds, but I just loved that kind of Jason Porn <laughs> parallel in the beginning, and I'm going to read the crap out of that book. So <laughs> yeah, that is The Blonde Identity or Blonde Identity by Allie Carter.
0: I think I've read an Ally Carter book. She's been writing them for a while mm-hmm. now.
1: Yeah, I haven't read any of her, but just funny.
0: I read one about. Oh, Heist Society. That's it. Yep. I read the Heist Society trilogy about the teen thieves. I like a heist book. My other pick for today is Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. This is one of my other favorite covers of the year. It's fluorescent pink with a melting TV set on it, which is pretty rad. Kirsten White wrote one of my favorite horror novels of last year, which is called Hide, which was set at an abandoned amusement park. There's also a graphic novel version of that coming out next month. Um, This one, I haven't read it yet, but it is about five former child stars of a children's show called Mr. Magic that was canceled after some kind of tragic accident. But three decades later, no evidence of this show having ever existed remains other than the memories of these five former cast members. And somehow, they're going to all wind up together in a remote location where the past has come back to haunt them. Or possibly hunt them. I don't know, but I'm excited to read it. So this is Mr. Magic by Kirsten White.
1: All right. And then my other pick that I have not read yet is Kiss the Girl by Soraya Gorova. And this one actually came out last week on the 1st. This is the third installment in the Meant to Be collection, the first two of which were The Shoe Fits, which was a Cinderella story by Julie Murphy, and then By the Book, which was kind of a Beauty and the Beast-themed story by Jasmine Guillory. So you can, you know, obviously sense the theme here. And I love the approach on this one. So this time we get one of my favorite authors take on The Little Mermaid, which I love because I'm very deep in my Little Mermaid nostalgia era after having recently- seen the you know the live action adaptation with Halle Bailey our main character here is Ariel Del Mar which I just love that name um and she is one of the most famous singers in the world and she's in a band with her sisters it's a very well-known band the sisters and their band I should say is called the Siren Seven like I just love everything about this Uh, and they've been like a total pop culture phenomenon since they were kids they wear like sequined costumes Ariel wears her iconic red wig and you know it's a whole thing and here's where I'm going to just read the copy because they definitely went for it here, where she's like, anyone would think she's a girl who has everything, but lately she wants more. So yeah, here's the little earwig for you. <laughs> um, but the, the band, Siren Seven is wrapping up their farewell tour and Ariel is, Ariel is very excited to spend like, to finally get to just live a normal life, like a world that she's only ever seen from the outside. So it's an interesting take on the, like, outside world thing. But her dad, who is the head of Atlantica Records, uh, is doesn't want her to do that. He actually wants her to have a breakout solo career that he wants to, like, get started on right away. But wouldn't you know... Ariel, when she is like out on the town, crosses paths with this guy named Eric Reyes, who is this like dreamy lead singer of an up and coming band who doesn't know who she is, and invites her to like go on the road for the summer. And she, of course, does that and disobeys her father. So anyway, really, really great take on it, I think. And I, I can't wait to read it because I just love everything that Soraya does. So that's Kiss the Girl by Soraya Cordova.
0: All right. So those are books that we are excited about. And now it's time for a few paperback releases coming out today, both paperback originals and in hardcover. First, the ones coming out in hardcover. A bunch of Book Riot favorites today, starting with The Women Could Fly by Megan Giddings, set in an America where unwed women under the age of 30 must register with the government. And a young woman who is approaching that age, trying to decide what she wants to do, while also fulfilling a request of her missing mother's will. Spells for Forgetting by Adrian Young, about a young woman whose childhood love returns to their small town many years after he was accused of murdering her best friend. We're going to find out what really happened. Kosher Soul, The Faith and Food Journey of an African-American Jew by Michael W. Twitty. Twitty is the author of The Cooking Gene, which is a James Beard Award-winning book, And this one is another great look at the intersections of food and culture and religion and race. He's so, so great. He also just had another book about rice, I think. So if you're a a Michael Twitty fan, check Mm -hmm. that one out. Mother in the Dark by Kayla Mayuri, about sisters and their relationship over the years with their mercurial mother. Moth by Melody Razak, a story of one Indian family during partition and the, which is the 1947 split of Pakistan from India. The Book of Goose by Yi Yun Lee, but a woman telling the story of her best friend after her friend dies. She can finally tell all their secrets now that her friend is gone. And The Night Ship by Jess Kidd, about two young people a hundred years apart, one a girl shipwrecked on a Western Australian island, and a century later a boy on the same island with his grandfather. And a few paperback originals today. 101 Horror Books to Read Before You're Murdered by Sadie Hartman. You might know Sadie better as Mother Horror. She's on Twitter and Instagram and, I believe, TikTok. Um, She's very famous for her horror book recommendations and love, and this is a book of recommendations. Tomb Sweeping Stories by Alexandra Chang. Chang wrote a novel I absolutely loved a few years ago called Days of Distraction. And this is a story collection. I haven't read it yet, but I'm very excited for it. So I'm just going to read you the publisher's description. It is a playful and deeply effective short story collection about the histories, technologies, and generational divides that shape our relationships. The Handyman Method, a story of terror by Nick Cutter and Andrew F. Sullivan. You might know Cutter, who wrote The Troop and The Deep. Sullivan has a few books as well. Most recently... The post-apocalyptic novel The Marigold. This one is about a family that moves into an unfinished housing development and the weird instructions that are given to them by the handyman. It's a home improvement horror novel. I guess you would call it DIY. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Not sorry. And... The last one, I'm really excited to read this. I can't wait to get my hands on this one. It's called Pet by Catherine Chigi about a young girl at a school in New Zealand in the 1980s. It is being compared to Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson, the movie Heavenly Creatures, and Picnic at Hanging Rock, the author of which I forget, but it was a Peter Weir movie. It was a remake. It scared the hell out of me as a child, the original. Um, so I'm very excited to pick up that one. So... Vanessa, what are you going to read next?
1: In addition to the uh, to Blonde blonde Identity, I am reading, or about to read, I'm very excited because I've heard it hyped by a m- bunch of people, including, I think, last week's show, uh, The Trap by Katherine Ryan Howard, which is that, like, really thrilling book about a woman who's, uh, there's, it's set in Ireland, and, like, her sister went missing, and she's, like, the third woman to go missing in, like, a short amount of time, and she's, like, haunted by what happened to her sister because she's never been, you know, we, no one knows what happened to her, and... She's working at like a, in the missing persons unit, um, at the like local police and just having a hard time of it. And then we also were hearing from like a serial killer who is narrating or like telling a story to a woman in his trunk. Like I, <laughs> I was told not to start it at night. I'm just super excited to read it though. I, I really like Catherine Ryan Howard. And then I'm still working on the absolute chonker that is The Sun and the Void by Gabriela Romero La Cruz. It's just, it's big and I have a lot of other reading <laughs> to do. So I'm kind of just chipping away at it like 10, 15 minutes before bed but uh enjoying it so far so yeah that's what i'm reading
0: i read the trap it's really good
1: that's why i I knew it was you oh i can't wait to read it yeah i'm gonna do that today
0: yeah you've combined your characters though i mean you haven't read it so you know um there's a woman whose sister is missing and then there is a woman who works for the oh gotcha okay thank you at it and so they're the two main characters besides the serial killer who is telling the story
1: oh that's right that's right yes
0: yeah, it's really dark Really dark I've read several of her books And this might be the darkest Which is saying something Because
1: Ooh, yeah, I've read 56 Days recently And really liked yeah. it So I was like excited to this But I'll definitely do the lights on yeah. for this one
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's fun um, So I'm going to read Shark Heart I think as soon as we get off the uh, off the phone here Off the podcast phone And I'm also reading Rainbow Black by Maggie Thrash Which comes out on March 19th of next year which is set in New Hampshire in the 1990s and it is about a teen girl whose family owns a daycare center and there's a satanic panic in the area. And then I'm also going to read The Stone Home by Crystal Hannah Kim, which comes out April 2nd of next year because I loved her last novel, If You Leave Me. So that's what I've got coming up next. And then all plans will change as soon as I walk out the office door. And I'm like, oh, I've decided I'm in the mood for a comic about raccoons or something. You like, you never know. As soon as I move my head, it's like an etch-a-sketch and I'm like, what was I going to read? Yeah. That's all right, though. It's a great problem to have. Yes. Because yay, books. So that is it for us today, book lovers. Thank you for joining us as always. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors, thank you to them, thank you to our awesome audio editor Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com, ask us your burning questions about sharks or Seattle, or tell us stories about Seattle and your time in the very tall alien spaceship. <laughs> if you want to find us online, Vanessa, where
1: do you hang out? Mostly on Instagram at Buenos Okay,
0: and I am mostly on Instagram at friends and comes alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. Don't forget to visit mytbr.co to sign up today for our tailored book recommendations. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more wrecks or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading.
2: reading.